I'm going to have to stop here because I've just looked at the man's Twitter page and I think he's a fascist. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> so I don't want to be promoting that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Accidental fascist endorsement. That's the new segment on this podcast. Oh my god! Oh, I'm really, I'm really, really, really glad I was. I thought quickly enough not to give a shout out to a Nazi there. <laughs> what a mistake to make her. to this episode 160 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best cities and games special. <laughs> this is Rob and Shotgun's PC gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion, Nazi-free since our inception and forever. <laughs> so we, yeah, we're going to talk about the best cities and games, um, but uh, as ever, I'd like to start by uh, welcoming my hosts for... Uh, I am Alice Bell, and I'm joined this week by the Night Mayor. <laughs> Let's build more slaughterhouses. Mm-hmm. Excellent. That's that's a portent of things to come, no doubt. Uh, and I'm also joined by Rich Uncle Pennybags. Hello from Monopoly. <laughs> Hello, Uncle Pennybags. <laughs> Hello. Uh, this, that's the only city uh, sort of planner I know. Oh, I see. You see, city planner. I, I think. No, so. no. He just, he's just hoards capital. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't care what goes where. Yeah. Well, that's my deal. <laughs> that's your deal is hoarding capital. Mm-hmm. But fair play, Uncle Barry Bags. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, how are you both this week? Because of course, uh, Matthew was. Uh, not with us last week because he was at EGX mm. um, doing some some lovely indies uncovered. Did you have a nice time, Matthew? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite chilled. I got to play a load of Baldur's Gate three, so that was quite exciting. Lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was nice. Had a few people and... come up and say, "I like the podcast," which was oh. nice. Well. Thank you very much. If but it's that awkward thing, because then you're like, which podcast? <laughs> and because you know, and then you have to sort of pretend the one that they say is the one that you like the most as well. <laughs> but the one you like most is this one, right, Matthew? Well, of well, of course, that's that's what, yes. <laughs> this is your largest son. <laughs> what a liar! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, any update on the tooth situation? I know our listeners are uh, invested. Like, they're 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 pretty fine. Uh, like they're they're holding up. I'm gonna go back to the dentist in the new year and see how they're getting on. Um, good, I do good. have a sugar related tale. 
Um, oh, mate. oh, please. Not, mm. not, not too elaborate, but I'm, um, I'm a bit in the doghouse at the moment because uh, when I came back from EGX, obviously Catherine stayed on at EGX. Yeah. She got sent a box of promotional treats for some game or other. Um, and it was an afternoon tea, and it had oh, these. Oh, Matthew! <laughs> it had these. Well, no, no. I, I, I didn't eat much of it, but I did eat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did eat the two brownies that came with it. Everything was in pairs. Both brownies. I ate just the brownies, mm. and this has oh. become quite a, um, quite a sticking point since the oh, weekend. Matthew, let yourself down. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing is, I was honest about it. I could have just lied and said, oh, I think something turned up for you. And then she opens there it. There weren't like, any oh. brownies in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I said, listen, there were brownies and I did eat them. Why yeah. am I reminded of those videos people make of their dogs looking ashamed by empty bags <laughs> of dog food? <laughs> yeah, it, it did have that energy. We here at Rock Paper Shotgun want to create the best PC games related content out there. I mean, we're doing a lot of that already, but you can help us continue to do that and also help us do a little more. All you have to do is grab an RPS subscription over at rockpapershotgun.com forward slash subscribe. You can support us at two different tiers. The standard subscription will give you an ad-free RPS, you'll get discounts on our merch, and you'll get a letter from the editor post every month month too. The premium tier subscription gives you all of those lovely things I just mentioned, plus some exclusive articles and podcasts, as well as some smashing new video games and in-game items. I don't want to say free because you're paying money for the subscription, but you know, it's a little something on top. So, if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to rockpapershotgun.com forward slash subscribe and give us your money please. You get good things in return, so it seems like a win-win for everyone involved. In anticipation of a transaction and because my mother reared me well, thank you very much. I am enjoying uh, this cafe down my road that does a custard cream uh, milkshake. Whoa. Wait a second. Or like, what do you call it? Is it like a frappe where it's like a coffee that's entirely mutated into a milkshake? <laughs> so it, so as in the biscuit custard yeah. cream? It's basically like a sort of a slightly thick milk that tastes of custard cream. It doesn't form a biscuity sludge on the bottom. Thankfully, no. Um, at uni, I tried to make a cocktail out of ginger nuts, the biscuit, once. And it just... Yeah, that formed a sort of a paste. And that's always what I think of when I read about like ancient Egyptian beer. Because <laughs> apparently that was just like mashed up grains and stuff that had just been left to sort of go manky in a stone bowl. Isn't that what beer is anyway? <laughs> yeah, but at least, you know, we've got the dignity to use a sieve these days. You get those milkshake uh, joints where you can get like any, any sweet made into a milkshake. You know, you go in and you have like a Mars bar milkshake or a Twix milkshake. And they used to do Skittle milkshakes where they just blend up a load of Skittles. But the problem with Skittles is they're really, really hard. And when you blend them, they just turn into like razor-like shards. Um, so that <laughs> when you, if you have a Skittle milkshake, 
when you suck the Skittles up the straw, they just lacerate the straw <laughs> and all the milkshake sprays out of the straw. Like, imagine what that's doing to your throat. Unbelievable. It was, there was like a weird kind of couple of years in in the early 2000s, early mid-2000s in this country, where we suddenly decided novelty milkshakes were a good thing and there was like three shakeaways in every town yeah or something like there were so many shakeaways just everywhere and you'd be like oh i'm going to have a, a milky bar and jelly beans milkshake that's disgusting but yeah. like i the don't reason know the milkshake industry has centered in on classics like strawberry vanilla chocolate is because they just work you know if you leave it to idiots to kind of combine random flavors they're bound to be heinous would you remember I, just I went saw... through that phase of buying dairy stable cordials and experimenting with milkshakes? Mm. Yeah, and I, I made a stable lime milkshake. Um, you didn't. I don't remember you talking about that. I remember you talking about like a pineapple one, but a lime milkshake. Oh yeah, I might have tried to hide this one from the eyes of God and you. Actually, uh. um, <laughs> it looked. You know, in um, the new Star Wars films, where Luke Skywalker's depressed and living in Scotland, and he just like has a big like gym water bottle full of green milk that he gets out of a yeah. big space walrus and then just does this weird stare into the camera while drinking it. I like it because he's deliberately being a disgusting old man and trying to be off-putting and yeah, maintains eye contact while drinking body temperature blue milk. <laughs> that is probably my favourite scene in the trilogy, actually. Um, <laughs> but I could recreate it with this milk. It has left a bit of a stir, though, because... When I get Tally ready in the mornings, uh, like while she's putting her um, her cardigan on, I usually get her a glass of milk. I say, oh, do you want a glass of milk? And probably three times in four, she'll say, yeah, not green milk, please, Daddy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the one time she saw it and was so upset by it, she just stipulates every time, not the green milk. <laughs> the North remembers. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, um, in 2015, I had surgery to remove some of my innards and um, I, I was really sick at the time. So I couldn't eat solids, basically. And I lived for about uh, five or six months, I think, on uh, like medical milkshakes, basically, just like Ooh. sort of like a protein shake. Oh, um, what what brand were they or what, what medicine name? Uh, Mod- Modulin, I think. Yeah, because, uh, so, slight b- bleak digression, but don't take it as such. Uh, when my mum was dying, uh, she got prescribed loads and loads and loads of those. And then she died, and I was left with, like, about a metric tonne of medicinal milkshake. I wish, yeah. uh, I wish I'd known what to do with it. There's, I mean, it's not... You just pour it all in a river. Put it all in a bath and bathed in it like some sort of cursed Cleopatra. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, it's like powder, and then you you have a scoop, and then uh, they tell you how many scoops you should have a day, and then you mix up like a protein shake. You put it in your shaker and mix it up, but then you can have they give you little um, smaller tubs of like flavoring to put in it, so you could have like chocolate, vanilla strawberry banana and and it was just like it it was like at the start it was like oh this is brilliant i'm living on milkshakes and then at the end it's like i just want to taste salt 
just want to say salt again in my life. Although oh. Matthew wouldn't have that problem. No, like. no, no. I'd be. I'd happily live on the medicinal milkshakes forever. Oh, you ever had much uh, nourishment with no O? <sighs> what? No. What? That ten ten drink called nourishments. Is and... this something you've made up? Like, no, it really school. sounds like it though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. it? It's in these bleak tins, and it comes in all these flavors, quite odd ones. Um, and it's it's basically like slim fast for brutes. Like, if you want to get really ripped, you just, you just have loads of nourishment. I think um, when I was a teenager, me and my friend decided to see what happened if we tried to go a fortnight subsisting only off nourishment and we stopped and we started shaking and our wee turned neon green. What? What was the conversation? What do you mean we decided to do this? We're just like, well, you know, we wondered what we'd become. Seems like a laugh. <laughs> yeah, because like I think you also like. Do you not also have to go to the gym? Like you can't just. <laughs> oh yeah, we were like we. Uh, there, there was a period in my youth when I, w- I was, I was quite a hench. Yeah, we just spent the whole summer just running around in the woods, and just like, we, we were idiots, uh, and and thought we'd somehow be harder and cooler if we were doing all of our exercise in the woods. Like men in the Rocky <laughs> training montage, so like lifting up logs and getting horribly injured. That was that was probably the same period that me and my brother were just hitting each other with bamboo canes. <laughs> True, actually, yeah. Two very different different <laughs> energies. <laughs> uh, I I didn't do either of those things. I feel like I I missed, you missed out. out. Yeah, you want to get yourself a bit of bamboo cane. And stop making up for lost time. <laughs> Drink some nourishment, batter yourself with a stick. Nourishment in one hand, bamboo <laughs> cane in the other. <laughs> that is a superhero <laughs> I would want to read about. the liberals want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, do you know what a forest is? Is not a city. <laughs> Nature city. <laughs> yeah. N- nice, good. So, um, I, unlike other times, I don't think we're going to have a big debate over what a city is. Unless we are, that. Nate, are we? <laughs> well, isn't the definition it has to have a cathedral in it? Or a university. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, is it a university too? It's either or. Oh, right. Yeah, not both. But that's why Swindon is still a town, despite being huge, because it has neither... A cathedral nor a university, because having a Bath Spa University campus does not count. You think they'd just get on that and build a cathedral? A horrible neo yeah. concrete cathedral out just of one get, of the car just parks. Just to get the city. <laughs> just, yeah. It's well, what got about like cities a... that aren't in Christian countries? How do they be cities? They're not cities. Oh, I don't know. It's in your eyes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how it's measured. That's how it's measured in this country, anyway. I'm pretty sure. I really want to know if there's an international definition of a city now. Oh, yeah. oh God, I've I've accidentally opened an can of worms. See, now I wouldn't have stopped to question it if you, you know, it's like if you're trying to sneak some burgers past a tiger and you stop yeah. at the tiger cage and say, "Have you seen these burgers? You don't want to eat them, do you?" 
Yeah, I know. It's it's my own time I'm wasting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's leave Taxonomy City and head on to Chatropolis. <laughs> oh, Segways within segments. <laughs> wheels within wheels. Um, uh, I can't remember why I thought it would be good to see cities this week. but um, well, It's a great it was... idea. There's millions of cities and games, isn't it? I, yeah, I think it was done before, but not by this iteration of the podcast so plus there's more games now there is more games now that's true um and i was thinking about uh frogwares games because they're doing this thing now where they sort of want spaces to feel like they're real so they tried it with the sinking city and it didn't quite work uh and then up being a bit sort of too much boring admin because it would be like the place you need to go is in this quarter and it's at the intersection of you know wet lane and Schmear Street, and then you'd have to look that up manually on your map. And it was fine. It was like the first few times I did it, I was like, oh, this is fun. And then by the end, I was like, just, just put a marker in. It's fine. <laughs> was it uh. one of those ideas that was like executed really well, but um, yeah, it's just not that much fun? I th- uh. Maybe the city was too big. I'm not sure. I think the way maybe it gave you the information. It, it just became a pro, you know, instead of it putting a map marker, you were going through the same process. You know, I, I think maybe if you came across like addresses a bit more organically or you extracted them, you know, it kind of gave you the address and then you just look it up on the map and go there. You know, I think maybe if the process of finding the address was more interesting, maybe the whole thing would come together a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's sort um, of. It's like it's 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 weirdly like even more mechanical than the, than the previous version where this the map did it for you. I I found, but yeah, um, but I I did really like their their ideas about like what cities are like and how they sort of organically grow from their use and stuff, especially in Europe. And then in America, a lot of them are just square. They're just squares. Mm. Like you, it's difficult to give directions in. Uh, a city in Europe to say like just go two blocks that way and one block that way like in Europe you end up saying like go down this road until it curves round to the left and then there'll be uh. a church on the corner and you want to go like London as a city makes no sense and and they had a chance to like rebuild it after it got bombed flat in you know the 40s and second world war and they did rebuild it and they rebuilt it as confusing as it was before (laughs) i always feel that is a an element of cities that city builder games have by and large not yet found a way to simulate because i do i do like games where you know your city layout changes over time because in the early game, for example, you might be more reliant on agriculture districts, and then well, it's the classic sort of SimCity type curve where you start to build, you know, high tech employment and stuff as your education levels go up and things like that. But it's always so easy and so consequence free to bulldoze things, just to knock down big areas of the map, and the buildings mm. just disappear instantly, and you can relay everything out. Whereas in real life, you've got complications like listed buildings and and stuff like, yeah, well, yeah, just history that you have to work around rather than through. 
Or like when um, they were doing Crossrail and they accidentally started digging through a plague grave. Oh, and that never happens in city skylines, does it? <laughs> Be good if it did, though. Be amazing, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised uh, that I, I don't play a lot of city builders. I, I always assume that, that like those kind of events would be worked in, you know, like, oh, the people are protesting. They say this building is of historical worth. So if you knock it down, you're going to lose whatever. And that must but, have happened at some point. But I, I don't know, mm. Alice, have you ever come across something like that? Mm, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, do, I like Foundation, which I think is still in early access because it, you don't work on a grid, you sort of paint areas. So you go, this zone is for housing. And then people will build houses that fit into that bit. And the paths are all, and the roads are all based on like where people walk. Um, so it's it's a lot more organic. Mm. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. But, I um, need to take a page out of Frostpunk's book where the society will just like kill the leader if they don't do well enough. You know, they'll literally like put them in a big steam vent and steam them to death. Um, <laughs> like a prawn. <laughs> maybe we could add that to SimCity. So if you destroy enough, you know, listed buildings, the local historical societies will come and, I don't know. Put you in a big history. Then. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good, actually. We're, like, we are in Brayton at the moment sort of a week and a half in to uh, a strike by the um by the the oh god what we said bin men like the by the oh yeah the, i've seen the pictures the huge mounds of like seagull infested rubbish yeah it's genuinely feels quite post-apocalyptic and like i'm sure someone has taken a picture of it and been like brexit britain but no it is that the the union for the like waste disposal People are on strike and frankly, give them whatever they want. Like, we, it has become clear in about 10 days that we cannot function without them. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we should like, you know, broil Brighton City Council. <laughs> yeah, nice, cool things to suggest on a podcast. Let's, let's, let's boil local <laughs> government. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like Twitter guillotine memes on air. Um, <laughs> um, but do we, yeah, do we have any actual examples of, of our favourite cities? Because we sort of circumvented Actually, talking about that. Frostpunk city, or cities, if you look at the different scenarios, expansion stuff, they are sick. Um, really bold design decision as well in that game. When I first started playing it, well, no, not when I, I, I watched it being streamed. And I was like, well, this is going to fly with me. You know, because there's, there's only, you've got a series of concentric rings and all of your buildings are like little wedge-shaped ones, aren't they? And you can put them wherever mm. you like on those rings. And I just thought, well, there's barely any choice here. What replayability is, gonna be, is there going to be? And I, I suppose it's sort of a trick answer because... There isn't a vast amount of replayability to Frostpunk, but there doesn't need to be. Um, I've always thought that a, a city building game or settlement building game should be all about infinite replayability. 
Uh, but Frostpunk's the real standout for me because it's just a massive experience. And I know people do play it over and over again, but I don't really like repeating things, so I don't. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, though. Beautiful cities, beautiful, horrible, ghastly. Mm. Sticks with you. Mm. Yeah. Full of ungrateful sods. Council boilers, a lot of them. <laughs> Terrible. Um, uh, in, um, I... uh, just just uh, very quickly, in humankind... Mm. Yeah, the way those cities update with the different civilizations, do they reflect like do they all just become American cities in the end, or do they still do they have that kind of London sort of higgledy piggledy vibe? No, they don't, and it's a real shame. Um, if you haven't played Humankind, dear listener, um, it's it's a, a, a it's the Civ template done by Amplitude and. With every age you advance, you choose a new culture. So you might start off as the Babylonians and become the Mughals uh, and become, I don't know, the Dutch. And every time you do it, the cities in that are great as well because they they sprawl over multiple hexes of the map uh, and really look like genuine real world, like big sweaty conurbations. But yeah, when you become the Dutch, just windmills spring up everywhere like mushrooms or whatever i I, i'm making that up i don't know if it's windmills but you know (laughs) your entire civilization will change aesthetic overnight right and that's a shame especially in a game that's about sort of creating this layered palimpsest of you know different stuff wow the eloquence in that sentence really went downhill (laughs) stuff it's just stuff is Stuff is a perfectly good word, perfectly cromulent oh, word. It's like, it's like get your dictionaries at the ready at the start of that sentence and throw them out the window by the end. I like building, building goods, living houses. <laughs> devil sad, devil may cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 well, I like... It's. I suppose when we're talking about best cities in games, do cities that we have built count? I mean, that's a bit, a bit um, up yourself, isn't it? To say yeah. that's the best cities. I mean, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Pride in your own abilities, Matthew. Well, no, I'm t- I'm terrible at building games, so I have definitely not built one of the best cities in games. What about um, Los Santos in GTA Three? The Revenge of Captain Jetpack, or whatever it was called. <laughs> San Andreas. I, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Look, whenever I think of that game, I get a photorealistic memory of me just cruising along in a jetpack, shooting a plane during the summer holidays. It's great. Nice. Yeah, well, they're coming back as well. Well, planes. No, GTA. GTA. (laughs) The GTA trilogy. (laughs) Well, they're being remonstered. Yeah, they're yeah they're they're doing something. They haven't said what, but they're doing something with with three Vice City and San Andreas. Uh, They are never going to make a new GTA game, are they? I mean, why would they need to? They got license to print money, haven't they? With GTA Five. Yeah. I just um, thought it was it was exciting to me because that was the first time the '90s felt like history, right? Because it was, um, I think, like the game was set around like the Compton riots, uh, which I think was like '92. Uh, only obviously 
you know, the GTA fictional world version of them. Um, the fart riots. The fart, the Fartston riots. Yeah. <laughs> and it, the Sorry, I, the, the GTA riots. is more sophisticated than that. <laughs> Not much. A little more. <laughs> That's more uh, Saints Row. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it felt it. There was a real sense of, huh, this is really period appropriate. And then there was that weird feeling of this was a time I was alive during, but it's definitely history now. Yeah. Cool. <sighs> yeah. No, I know what you mean. The The newest member of RPS staff is 21 years old and didn't remember the, you know, the great schism of uh, the, like, when... BBC Children's Hour became the CBBC channel. <laughs> no, oh God. my goodness! I was I was upset by that because because I mentioned the defining moment of the nineties. I know I mentioned going to see Ian Sterling basically uh, do stand up, uh, and he was like, "Well, the the CBBC guy." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh God!" Um, you just like him aging at the end of Last Crusade really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was going because I, I I was thinking about like yeah, do city builder games like Humankind count when we are thinking about best cities and games? Um, and I th- sort of think no, but feel free to disagree. I, I, think, I think no. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I don't know games like the other thing that strikes me stuff like uh, one I know we both like uh, Alice's Pharaoh. The old yeah. uh, impressions game, because I know I always bang on about that one, but the sound design in it was just well good. Because you started off with just an empty floodplain on the Nile, and it was all and hippos and stuff, and it felt very wild. And then you started putting down all your Egyptian business, and then there's like bakery guys going like and like some clattering. <laughs> And like market people arguing, and oh, Nate, it looks great, but it was the soundscape that built up. Nate, you should do one of those like sleep tapes of animal sounds, you know, like whale noises. <laughs> sounds of the Nile. Yeah. Make your next book one of those audio books with the buttons down the side that Disney used to make. Yeah. Where every time, every time there's a picture of Sebastian the crab, you press him and he says something. <laughs> Only it would be like Warhammer 40,000. So you just press a button and it would be the sound of a million people sacrificing themselves for Elon Musk in the International Space Station. <laughs> Call back to a couple of weeks ago. Nice. Lore. Very nicely done. Because um, I was going to say, one of my favourite city moments in the game is in Red Dead Redemption, mm. where... Uh, because you spend all your time sort of tooling about and you go into like little towns and stuff and it's like a big trip to go into town, you know, to like get a horse and whatever early on. Um, and sort of quite early on in the game, I found a treasure chest. So I had quite a lot of money. Um, and so I decided to go on a trip to the big city. So I went all the way over the map or like sticking to the roads to get to, um, do they call it St. Denis? In in the game, oh, I can't remember if that's, that's the first. That's Red Dead Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry, yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, and I just remember being like, "Oh, bright lights, big city," and then I went, 
<laughs> and I spent all my money on dressing Arthur as like the fanciest cowboy in town and got him like a red, like a blue velvet like jacket and a top hat. <laughs> and, then, and then went back to camp and was like, hello, yes. So <laughs> I ran away to the big city. <laughs> Now I'm better than you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like the idea that he'd risen up. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely alienated from his friends. Yeah. yeah. One of the more farcical moments I had in Red Dead 2 was I'd killed an elk somewhere right at the north of the map. And I think I drastically misunderstood something. <clears throat> and I thought the only place I could sell the pelt was in Saint-Denis. Um, and it ended up being... You know those errands in open world games that get more and more convoluted and difficult and it would be so much more net profitable just to give up but you're fixated. It was just like one man's quest to bring like a sodden roll of animal hide across a continent. And there was this brilliant bit where my horse had died and I was staggering along carrying this and I got to the top of a hill. And a man shot me and I dropped the elk hide and I just watched it roll down the hill really sadly. (laughs) So I knew I'd have to go to the bottom and stagger up with it again. (laughs) It was the old man in the elk skin, yeah. And that was all, you know, that was the the promise of the city kept me going, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Uh, What about you, Matthew? Yeah, I I like that city too. Actually, Saint Denis is, is 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 great. I love the sort of split between just the number of eyes in that place means that all the naughty stuff that you've been kind yeah. of trained to do elsewhere kind of get away scot free. All of a sudden, you have to like really behave, or it, life is just much harder. It's like a really, um, it's like know, a it's beast a- who's become a man. And must quickly learn the ways of civilization yeah, and be destroyed. But, but yeah. I, I, like, I, I like I like that dynamic because that game is so big; it really needs that change in pace somewhere. Mm. And I think that that does deliver it. Um, I quite liked. I mean, for for its you know many flaws, um, I did really like the city in Cyberpunk Night City. Uh-huh. Um, More like Night City, not right? Yeah. The the, the, the problem <laughs> the problem with that is that. I really like the opulent bits and like the bits where all the rich people live and you only get a very small taste of that in the game, you know, because the, the, even if you pick the corpo life paths, you start off kind of like within one of these organizations, you know, the, 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 the story unfolds that you get basically knocked back down to zero. Everyone starts as, as basically nothing yeah. at the start of the game. And I, I wish there had been a version of Cyberpunk which had, like, let you explore that city or experience that city, you know, from the top rather than the bottom. Because I think it would be equally interesting because, you know, to achieve what you need to achieve in the story, you know, it would be a case of descending into an area where you're hated and there's a lot of conflict and hostility towards you. I think that would be just as interesting as going the other way and trying to kind of like punch out of, you know, a nasty little bedroom in a grim apartment block. I just thought that game, like for me, like the art design and everything was really came alive and and was just at its most futuristic 
when you're seeing that sort of society at the height of its powers, because otherwise mm. it's 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 like a sort of uh, you know a Los Angeles type deal. You know, yeah. there's lots of sort of garages and sort of grimy dives, but yeah, it's like I, I always say about like Jurassic Park games and stuff. Like I, in very many games, I often have an urge just just do nothing for a bit in places before the conflict starts. Right. Like Dunwall in um, um, Triumph of Dead Men. Yeah. That, that's, it's a wonderful city, really rich, but you don't actually get to see that much of it. You mm. know, because the, 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 I, I, you know, admittedly, I've only just started Dishonored 2, so I can't speak to that, but the maps in Dishonored were actually quite small. And mm. they didn't feel it like it was well designed. No problem with the maps, but you didn't get to see that much of the city. And I really wanted to, like, I, I, you know, the Assassin's Creed, like walk around and learn about the Greeks mode. Yeah, I'd love that for Dishonored. Mm. Yeah, well, I think it, the the first Dishonored, especially, it was very clever to just be like, you know, there's an plague going on, so that you kind of. It does become quite an empty playground for you. Like there's a there's a law reason for the streets to be empty, and that also means they didn't have to make it like an alive city. It made sense that it was quite empty. Um, and I liked it in the later games and in um, uh, Death of the Outsider, especially. The there was a little bit more going on. Like the there felt the city felt like a little bit more alive, and I I felt like. There were some levels where you got to sort of hang out a bit more. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was going to say Dunwall as well, because this podcast cannot go. Contractually, we are obligated to mention Dishonored uh, every three to five episodes. So I prefer uh, Dunwall to Karnaka. I think so. Just as like a place. I think they're both very well done. Yeah. Um, Is Karnaka the place of the second game? Huh? Yeah. Isn't it like Mega Spine? Mega Spain with giant hornets. Yeah. Can't yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, that is the, the wasps are like the worst bit of the sun, aren't they? You know, that the nicer the year gets, the higher the chances of wasps turning up. Yeah, but wasps are like benevolent friends until the autumn comes and the madness sets in. Oh, they're, they're not. They don't do anything good. They only exist to sting children. Matthew. <laughs> That's their entire vibes. Wasps are drawn by a lust for sugar and a lust a lust for stinging. They're effective decomposers, Matthew. No, 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 no. Everyone knows wasps are the God one insect. God every creature with a purpose. No, not wasps. <laughs> wasps are just purely. They're the most vindictive creatures in the animal kingdom. Oh, I tell you what, hornets do worry me. That was said <laughs> with the air of like like an old man sitting outside a pub with like a spaniel at his feet and he's like just taking a sup of his bitter and then turned to his mate <laughs> and just out of nowhere. Hornets worry me. Well, I mean, hornets worry everyone though, don't they? The big problem with wasps is they like sweet things and... When there is a social gathering, I usually am like the sweetest p- person there in terms of like the drink I have or the fact that I've probably got some cake around my mouth or something. 
That's my big problem with wasps. So that, so you're like a wasp magnet. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, um, big. There's so much of me for them to sting. <laughs> Storm like wind. Storm wind. What a oh, city. Sorry, storm wind. So yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to think of. Uh, what is storm wind? Is this a huge noob question? Uh, it's the it's the the good the good man city in World of Warcraft. Oh, I, I know nothing about World of Warcraft. What's... I I like the bad men city in World of Warcraft more, but well, Orgrimmar's more a series of tents held up by unfeasibly large tusks. <laughs> yeah. And... Yes, precisely. <laughs> and I see your point. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I I will say this for the. The Alliance aesthetic in in Warcraft universe games, like there's something like the character design. Obviously, everyone's got like big chins, big hands, big shoulders, uh, and it's that odd sort of particular style of sort of exaggerated cartoony design. But then the buildings have it as well, with like big battlements and big doors, and yeah, it's always <laughs> like thick with two C's taverns and. It's good. It's an aesthetic. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I just think that like Orgrimmar seems like a more chill place to hang out. You know, like in in Stormwind, it feels like there are very serious um, local bylaws about littering. You know. Yeah, well, the horde are just better in and because they're just a load of like fun literal cowboys and stuff who. Yeah. Yeah, looks great. I don't know. I'm trying to think if Matt, like, what faction Matthew would, you know, spiritually would play. Who's who's clean? Who's cleanest? Oh, definitely the alliance. Oh, that's me. You'd ever be. Yeah, the alliance is is definite centrist dad's territory, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not very. Yeah, I'm not very grubby. It's all like gleaming lion heads and stuff. Oh yeah. Well. So I'm not really into that either, but I'd probably rather that. I wouldn't want to live in a tent. You'd be a murloc, mate. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a wicked burn or not, but I'll, I'll take it. I don't know where this has come from, but I've just had a flash of like a, a meme video that I saw ages ago that was, I think, or maybe my friend made it. I can't remember, but it's some video where it's like replacing the trailer for... Um, uh, 300 with like good dental hygiene I think or, or like making Brush it like your PG. Teeth. yes yes that... <laughs> it's incredibly funny <laughs> <laughs> it just it like 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 members of the horde charging at Matthew <laughs> doing the brush your teeth. Mm. that's what I'd need that's what I need to them to get through to me um <laughs> <laughs> how do we um how how do we feel about the city of Baldur's Gate? I was thinking earlier, I love that bit I I don't actually know what city this is in the second game where there's like I think it's Iranicus's big horrible sphere <laughs> and it's like teleported into a suburb and there's a really cool map where there's just this huge metal sphere embedded in the city. And everyone's just sort of defeatedly built around it. <laughs> it's just a lovely bit of art. 
Well, that's do what I'd that? do if a giant death sphere turned up. Well, what can you do, you know? Well, you're not going to complain, because you'd probably look at it and think, have I, an individual, got the power to do anything about this? Probably not. And, like, you know, if it's up a few weeks, that'll become a grade one listed death sphere. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck shifting it. <laughs> I'm, the thing I'm, I'm really, and this is maybe just because I've been playing some Baldur's Gate three recently. I'm super, super intrigued to see how they handle the city in that. The actual because, Baldur's Gate, yeah, yeah. Because I, I get the impression that's where the story's going. I think it, it'll, it, I think you're going to Baldur's Gate. Is is the kind of the vibe of it? Um, but you know, resource wise making that city to like Larian's sort of like level of detail and interactivity that I, that I can't really imagine. Like there were, you know, there have, there were sort of cities in original sin too, but they, you know, they're relatively small and you know, they've been partially destroyed to kind of cut you off from bits of them and stuff like that. But you know, the original Baldur's gate, it's a pretty big city, you know, because it has that, um, you know, that sort of isometric view that you're much further away from the action and you know, it's less kind of resource intensive, I imagine, to to make that. Um, but the idea of like, you know, can you go into every? But will you be able to go into like every building in their Baldur's Gate? Or will it be like a like a bit of an artificial space? Or will they have to do some kind of nonsense to kind of limit how big it can be? I'm just really, really intrigued to see how they tackle it. It's such a. There's so many potential pitfalls as well. I remember. Um... There was a moment for me playing Watch Dogs Legion where the illusion, you know, I can pinpoint the moment the, the suspension of disbelief collapsed for me. And it it was when you just look along anything but the, the most major roads and all the shops are basically just blank and boarded up. And like, listen, I know the death of the high street is a real phenomenon, but, <laughs> you know, London was like 80% plywood. And it was a shame because... In terms of composition, but 3D composition, they got the, the feel of some of the spaces eerily accurate. But mm. London's just big. And that isn't, you know, that's a scaled down version of London, even. Uh, and just, yeah, there's no way you could have the resource to, to put all of those shops in. But that is part of what makes London London, is like the, the weird, sort of desolate news agents. With adverts for dying cats written in on post-it notes in the windows and stuff, and yeah, that, that kind of granularity you just can't replicate in fiction without as many people as it took to build the actual city. But that's mm. why a lot of the time when I see like an Assassin's Creed game or like an, an Ubisoft game in general, I sort of wish they had less grand scope and made them smaller because I think they are very good at getting a vibe and sort of getting a space so that you you sort of rec- you start to recognize it and you know like if I if I go this way you know if I go down here from Piccadilly Circus then I will end up you know on Regent Street or whatever so I just sort of wish that they did didn't make their their spaces as huge sometimes cuz I think if they if they made like a small like a an indie scale game almost I think they do really well at making a a place. Mm. It's I, like a village, yeah, or like a, a small town. Yeah, because I think they actually like one of the the last great 
kind of in terms of like the area uh, in an Assassin's Creed game was I think in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which is otherwise quite a confused uh, game. But I thought that their Paris was pretty good. And because also you didn't spend a lot of time outside of Paris, um, it it made for like a good and interesting kind of city space game. And I I would like to see them get make something smaller. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Bijou Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I think you should do Assassin's Creed Bath. So you're in it. Imagine Assassin's Creed Bath, and then you turn a corner and you just see like a little Matthew Castle walking down the street. Drinking a little. I'd, I'd be there, be like, uh, excuse me, uh, assassin, uh, I need help getting some cones. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to collect these 10 bits of cursed scaffolds that have been <laughs> left around my neighborhoods. <laughs> there would be the cones, wouldn't it? And they'd be, they, you'd, they'd have to get like 100 cones. They'd be like the optional collectible and they'd find cones in weird places. Or a hundred brownie crumbs that they then had to glue <laughs> together into a brownie to <laughs> purchase forgiveness from Catherine. <laughs> uh, you, I think we might have run out of time to do a cabin of lies. This is unprecedented. We've actually talked too much about video games. Cool. Because wow. I do. Actually, I have a cab. It's not that I haven't done a cabin of lies. I have a cabin of lies this week. But I don't know if we have time. Or should we save the cavern for next time? Yeah, all right. Um, Is it really city-specific? Nah, it's fine. Well, all that remains this week, then, uh, is for us to recommend something, because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Um, So, Matthew, what have you got to recommend this week? I'm going to recommend a TV show on Apple, again, um... I recommended Foundation last time. I'm going to recommend For All Mankind, which was recommended on Twitter by John Ingold of Inkle. Yeah. I'm stealing John's good recommendation. Uh, it's a like a what-if take on the the space race, and the what-if is if, if the Russians got to the moon first, uh, what that does for like the US space program and... The sort of the morale and drive of 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 that operation, and it's just really interesting because it's kind of got all the historical sort of beats of the space race, but it also has this kind of wild, you know, alt history timeline. So you don't know how anything's going to go. You don't know if people are actually going to blow up or not. So it adds this like peril. It's like all the fun of history, but with all the peril of not knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, it's really good. That's a very good way of describing it. Um, I'm going to recommend a television show this week, although it's on the proviso that I have only watched uh, an hour of it and I'm not sure I'm enjoying it as I'm intended to enjoy it. Um, But that is uh, Black Mass on Netflix, um, which is the new horror uh, series from the same-ish teams that did The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, a black mass is, I feel, um, quite funny and kind of campy, but I'm not sure if it thinks it is, but I'm still enjoying it. Um, uh, and it's also very funny watching it with uh, an Irish partner because it's like watching Monty Python with someone that knows all the jokes from Life of Brian and will say them out loud 
but for Catholic liturgy. <laughs> so, oh, good. Um, so that's a nice extra layer to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a kind of horror thing about like a uh, in an insular uh, religious island community. Um, and people returning to it and strangers coming to it and that kind of throwing up some stuff and and also cats are being eaten so that's nice um, who's eating cats i think it's fair i think it's very obvious who's eating cats and what is happening due to some very lingering shots and some very obvious metaphors that people are so burping obvious. up paws yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh that got me but uh but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It feels like it it's taking itself more seriously than I think it should. So, <laughs> but oh, I'm still really stuff does it. that though. I think. Oh, yeah. is it Mike Flanagan? Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, mate. Come on. We all, we can all see what's happening here. Let's not, you know. Th- yeah, you're th- you're eating cats. Right. <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> Nate, what, Island. Nate, what are you recommending this week? Uh, I'm going to uh, activate my my special privilege if I'm allowed when I have a book out and recommend my own work. Yeah, yeah. I got a I got a book out. Uh, it's it's uh, another Warhammer one. I was very busy with Warhammer books last year, um, and this one is called The Twice Dead King. It is in two parts, and it's about extremely goth robots who are very upset. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, an, it's another weird, melancholy uh, book about being ill in the head, disguised as extremely violent military sci-fi. Lovely. Thank you very much. That sounds like a real, a wholesome good time for all the family. Um Thank you very much uh, for joining us this week, listener, on this episode 160 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best cities and games special. Um, my name is Alice Bell, and I've been joined uh, this week by uh, Matthew Castle and Nate Crowley. And uh, do remember to check out our other podcast, The Ultimate Audio Bang, which is fortnightly about shooters. Um, the Shooter! Shooter! <laughs> the... <laughs> The Discord, where you can talk about many fun things, as well as one room specifically for this podcast. Um, the merch store, where you can buy uh, a t-shirt or indeed a podcast-themed t-shirt. The uh, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook pages. Just search Rock Paper Shotgun to uh, stay up to date on all the articles we're posting. But for all your PC gaming needs, just go to rockpapershotgun.com. But for now, and until next week, it is goodbye from me, Alice Bell. It is goodbye from the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I have built a thousand slaughterhouses. I just got that pun. Oh yeah, my god! Right. And it's goodbye from Rich Uncle Pennybags. Uh, goodbye. Uh, I don't have a, I don't have a bit. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.
Thank you.